Welcome to the We Bear Witness podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the We Bear Witness podcast. We are so excited that you are listening. Really, just so very excited. It's such a weird word to use when it comes to a podcast because that's probably not why you logged in, was to get excited. Yeah, Adam's jumping up and down right now. I had an energy drink earlier, (laughs) Um, but I apologize. Uh, Was it a bang or was it a a monster? They're terrible for you. Yeah, uh, those things will kill you, right? Yeah, but so will will that astronaut coffee creamer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or snakes. <laughs> I was going for things you eat and you just jumped to snakes. That's true, Dylan. Now let's make a list of diseases. Uh, but yes, we have some interesting topics on the, uh, Black on the podcast fever. today. <laughs> morbid. I'm excited and you're morbid. This should be really, really a beneficial half hour for the church. Hey, it's late. We've been through a lot. Today. We don't have to tell them when we actually record these. Right. Uh, so recently we took our lovely wives out uh, to go see a movie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we went to uh, the new Top Gun Maverick. And how many times had that been for you, personally? Uh, uh, we're not going to say on the podcast Because <laughs> it incriminates you a little bit. Well, here's the thing. Is a lot you, of my, this is not uh, very a lot part of, my, of your character. A lot of my friends wanted to go see it and family. And so I ended up going multiple times right. because different people uh, kept either wanting to go and inviting us to go. And so um, I, I've seen the movie inside and outside, and I could probably quote most of it to you. You you so. still seem to enjoy it when we went. It's, I think that was like it's your still a third great or fourth movie. I mean, seeing. just the uh, you know cinematography and the yeah. the sequences and everything is it just blows my mind every time I see it. Well, so. if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, the movie has blown past uh, Avengers: Infinity War in the box <laughs> office. Uh, it's making billions never of dollars. That would billions, have happened. Yeah, with a B, billions right. of dollars. Uh, and not only that, what, what's special about this movie is, is not only is it is it really it's resurging too. Like it'll go four or five weeks, you know, at number one, and then it stopped, and then it came back and almost hit number two after several new releases. And the movies don't do that. Movies don't have like that extra kick. But for some reason, the people in this country and worldwide just seem to be going after this movie and seeing it a bunch of times. Yeah, and you know what's really cool is the first time I went and saw it, I walked in yeah. and it was like a packed, I mean, packed theater. Yeah. And which could go either way. Those yeah. Aren't always, you know, I look up front and there's this gentleman, uh, that comes in with his family. He's in a wheelchair. He has to be like, I don't know, 70, 70, 75 years old hmm. coming to say it. And then, you know, over here you have a dad walk in with his son taking him to see it, you know, and he's, you know, 10 or whatever. And you just look at that and you're like, there's like, they they were able to capture multiple generations with right. this movie, all the way from people who were going at seven years old and loving it because yeah. they saw the first Top Gun, to you know the dad going, "Hey, I was a kid when I saw this the first time, and I want to take you to see this, you know, great fire pilot movie." Right? <laughs> yeah. No. And so nostalgia so. is a huge part of it for sure. I but but I think nostalgia was really only the initial reason. Everyone yeah. was curious about this you know, phenomenal classic character in Tom Cruise's Maverick. And so, of course, they were at their 80s kids, 80s nuts, generation of now 50-year-olds who, who lived through that. And if you look at the old, I don't recommend the old Top Gun. It's no. not one of our recommendations. Watch it with a filter. <laughs> yeah, watch it on TV or with a filter, yeah. 
uh, because it's a classic 80s movie there's some raunchiness stuff in it and and it's it's rather kind of has an ego about it you know image which a lot of movies today still can have but this one was a completely different movie altogether this this one was the reason why in other words it's becoming so incredibly popular and attractive is because it's so unlike the original and i would argue the environment the culture that it was released in has a lot to do with it yeah I mean, it, there's so many aspects of that that are counterculture right. to where we are today. It's kind of funny to watch and watch and, it be successful and see it be successful. And I was telling, um, you know, Emily, the uh, what the good year that came out from Disney. Uh, yeah, the Buzz Lightyear the movie. Buzz Light- but it wasn't like Buzz Lightyear. It was like a new like an yeah. overhaul. Yeah. Chris Evans is that's the, a tire. Whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the movie about how they year. make tires. You know, this <laughs> is great Disney animated movie about, about the Goodyear blimp, about yeah. a lonely blimp. It gets over football stadiums, and they wonder why it did so poorly at the box office. Yeah, and then they drop tires. Tim Allen voiced the blimp. <laughs> no, uh, um, no, it wasn't even. Anyway, Tim Allen. so what I was saying, and when <laughs> light we year. got on a lot of light rabbit trails here, but Lightyear, um, that movie, that was just a preview when we first saw the top gun and it was just a preview saying coming in you know like three weeks that thing's already gone from theaters on streaming because it flopped it didn't do well and top gun is still playing multiple times a week in theaters all across the country when we when we went emily's here in the studio by the way but when we went i it it was rather was it still it was kind of a good crowd it wasn't packed but there were still people coming to the theater. Yeah, it's and probably it like you know half full, right? Fourth time, but he did that for me. I was like, Amy Joe hasn't seen it. That's my wife. Like, we really need to go. So yeah, it's after a stress, stressful day too. <laughs> all that, yeah, which we have a few of those. All that to say, the movie was relatively clean. I'm not saying there's not any language in it. I'm not saying uh, that you know it's it's take the kiddos. That's not our complete recommendation. That the point is in a world. And in a culture, specifically an entertainment-laden culture that seems to be proud of their uh, uh, pervasive indoctrination. You can't get anywhere without hearing something or being having something shoved down your throat that's contrary to your belief as a Christian. This movie was classic, fun, rather untouched entertainment yeah. that was just good movie making. No agenda, no ploy, no real woke kind of background or underlying, you know, plot, uh, didn't have to focus too much on just constant, uh, you know, this man is evil, but you know, he has to have someone come to his rescue. Uh, there's none of that. It was there's self-sacrifice. There's the, you know, the older generation teaching the younger generation, what they know. And they're not, you know, dumb idiots, right. uh, on there. There's, you know, humility, the teaching humility and saying, okay, I've been where you are. You're proud right now. You need to realize that if you are going to survive, you can't be proud. There was you know, respect. Like there's respect between good friendships. Them. Friendships. Um, the only time, so they alluded to a sexual scene. They alluded to it. Like it was the girl he had dated from a long time right. ago. No spoilers alert. But, uh, but they, they alluded to it. But it ended up being, and there was nothing seen. It just like, kind of woke up next to you. And, they, and you can spend all this time on this ridiculously unnecessary, raunchy scene these days. Like, Everyone knows what sex is. Why do we have to have these move, these scenes that aren't even that good? They just waste plot time. Right. You know, it's it's just ridiculous and unnecessary to the plot. And so this one just kind of faded over it. It was just nothing. And to me, it became more just about friendships in general, uh, specifically multi-generational friendships. And that's really one thing we wanted to kind of launch from. 
So we really would like to talk to you about the multi-generational churches, not only that, but the benefits of having multi-generational churches, as well as a Christian's need for more intergenerational friends and relationships, mentors. We find a lot of this instruction uh, in Paul's letter in Titus chapter 2, known for stemming a lot of women's ministry material, a lot of men's ministry material, because of its focus on intergenerational relationships. And obviously the difference between multi-generational and intergenerational is multi-generational is a body that consists of different generations. Not everyone is the same age. We have a tendency to sort of flock uh, in segregated age groups uh, as Christians. And while there can be benefits to that kind of camaraderie, uh, we do find that the Bible speaks and teaches the importance of multi-generational relationships. And this is what's intergenerational about it. The generations are not just flocking together with each other, but they are moving between generations with influence and accountability and fellowship. Uh, Titus chapter 2 in verse 1, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men, he has a list of things here, sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith and love and steadfastness, almost echoing his pastoral qualifications of 1 Timothy 3. Then he moves on to older women in verse 3. He says specifically older women, likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves, not getting drunk, not losing inhibitions. Uh, they are to teach what is good and so train the young women, that's a command, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And it says, likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. And so we see already the format for Titus chapter 2 uh, is a multi-generational, intergenerational church. And Dylan, this is a conversation that's pretty close to your heart. Uh, when I first uh, arrived at Amelia Baptist Church, the concept of a multi-generational church was only uh, brand new to me. The church I was attending in Louisville, Kentucky, Emmanuel Baptist Church under Pastor Ryan Fullerton and Pastor Jeff King. It was the first time I was in a service where the babies didn't have a children's church. The families were had gathered together. Every pretty much five years old and up, every kid was in the pew next to their parents. And so I had never really seen anything like that before. And what we found were, was the worship service concentrating on a multi-generational feel. And I want to make sure before we dive into talking about this, we're not saying that if you have other formats, it's, it's inherently sinful or you're in disobedience of Titus chapter 2 and what we'll come to in a bit, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We just find that there are some things uh, that really work in comparison to some things that really don't. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, uh, like a lot of things in the Christian life, where's your heart at? And like, it's hard to get past, you know, Deuteronomy 6, Titus 2, uh, those commands. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to set those aside and not be doing something to encourage uh, participation <clears throat> of the parents in their kids' lives, of the older women with the younger women. I mean, that's a command that we just can't ignore. And so I think from that standpoint, we're saying that has to be a priority in your church. However it's done, you have to keep that in mind that these are biblical commands that God has given us for the good and health of the Christian congregation, the local church. And so the key to that is, okay, how can we best facilitate as a, as a congregation, as a local body of believers, this intergenerational, um, you know, uh, fellowship, whether, you know, between the older men and the younger men, older women, younger women, families together. Right. And some people respond to that. Well, we have family based events throughout the, throughout the year. We have times where families can get together and those are great. 
But I want to draw your minds to one story in particular of a family of four. This has really happened. It was really shared with us a while back. And they attended a pretty big Baptist church for a while. And they would get in their car in the morning and they would drive to church. And then they would go to their classes and they would go to their different Sunday school classes. And then they would go uh, to children's church. And then the parents would go to what we have always called big church. I don't know if you guys still call it that, but big church or adult church or mom and dad church. And uh, then they would get back in their cars, and uh, the mom would always ask uh, their ki- her kids, what did you guys learn today? And the, uh, the oldest seemed a bit distraught, and she said, what's the matter, honey? And the oldest said, well, I just wish we could go to church together. And the dad was like, what do you mean? We, we, went, we just went to church together. She goes, no, I wish we could go to church and be together. And for me, that really woke me up into the idea that we have a very short time with our kids. We have a very short time with the next generation. So this isn't just about parenting, but it is where the mentorship starts. Deuteronomy 6 is not aimed at rabbis. Deuteronomy 6 is aimed at the primary spiritual discipler. And yes, that happens at home, and it needs to happen at home more than it even happens at the church. But yeah. the church's job is to equip the families to exactly. be able to have these kind of relationships. And I think, you know, you, you, you told me before we started this, we're going to get into some of the statistics behind all of this later on. Yeah, just a few. But, you know, the statistics point to the fact that the, uh, the traditional uh, segregation of families at on, on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, have not lent to a higher rate of uh, kids following the Lord after they leave for college, after they leave the local body of believers that they grew up in and go out into the world. So I would, I would have to say, you know, obviously what has been happening over the last, what, 50 years mm-hmm. hasn't been working you know, for the most part, I'm not saying that God has not worked through it, but overall, if you're looking at the statistics there, um, the failure rate is pretty high. Yeah, you're that, talking you about know? like a 15% millennial drop off. Yeah. Um, es- escalating to 20%, which is, you know, one out of five teens right. of different families. Right. Obviously the family matters here. Yeah. Uh, and there's much more we could say to that, but yes, the millennial drop off rate, um, sort of under a fully programmatic model. And, and I would like uh, to mention that a programmatic model, uh, as far as from an administrative point, point of view as a pastor, is easier. It's, oh, yeah. e- it's just easier to do. It's easier to hoard everyone around based on their ages, find the appropriate teachers, and let the parents just come. I mean, the main reason people will decide on a church is because they love the children's ministry. And for eight years at our church, when they find out that we recommend your child five and up, to be in the pew. And before we went to two services, there was no other option. We didn't have a children's church. And now we have Sunday school at the same time as our first service. And so that can kind of act as a children's church. And we don't necessarily want that, but we are happy that people are choosing to be at Amelia Baptist Church. But we do want to say, if there's a benefit for your kid, five and up, being at any age, whatever your conviction is there, being in the church with you, parenting in the pew, uh, and we've seen that that has a greater effect on that millennial drop-off rate. That actually moves yeah. it into a right direction, which would explain our family equipping ministry model. Um, but before we get into statistics about how beneficial intergenerational friendships have been for young adults, young college students specifically, who were quizzed according to Barna Research, I do want to point that there is dissonance. We're not, we aren't just speaking this out because we're a fan of our model. We think that there's something to address here because there's a value of multi-generational relationships, and we want to know why the church isn't completely on board with that value. And there are a few reasons. Um, one, multi-generational churches see the blessing of experience, and it's a fact that older church members uh, sometimes have a reputation for wanting to control the church over issues like carpet color. And I'm not saying a lot of churches argue over the carpet color, but we've all been to kind of 
the environment where there's dissonance between the generations because of a feeling of control or maybe because of a lack of respect. And I think that what we're trying to say is the generations need each other within the body of believers. The younger generations benefit from the older generations because of the blessing of experience, and the older generations benefit from the younger church members because of the bounty of energy. The blessing of experience I've seen worked out uh, in a lot of ways. Even going back to Titus 2, looking at Romans 5.3, you see a life experience that has led to wisdom that the whole church can benefit from. And like you've told me before, uh, it can be rather wasted when the younger generation is just talking to themselves. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, it, this goes for the younger generation just talking to themselves and the older generation just talking to themselves. You know, if we have the older generation going out to a restaurant and that's who they hang out with all throughout the week, you're really missing out on getting to know those in the younger generation. And the reverse is a lot of times I think the younger generation is afraid to reach out to the older generation and really get to know them for who they are. But some of the the best conversations I've had have been working with older men uh, in this church on projects and just them telling me their life story, telling me what God has done in their life, um, uh, pouring into me um, and really just investing in, in my life there. And so I can say that that really has, has impacted me in so many ways. Yeah. And my older friends from our church have become great treasures to my family. Just like uh, grandparents. They delight in my children. They help point them to Christ. Uh, we have some relationships here where uh, the generations are closer than actual blood grandparents and exactly, relationships yeah. and because the Holy Spirit's living within them. And that's not always the case in other families. Uh, they love on our whole family as spiritual parents. And I think that's what we really are understanding. Some people don't want parents at all or authority at all. And so that, that's a need for sort of introspection. Are we just attracted to a church model because everyone around us looks like us, acts like us, is our age, is into the, our kinds of things? Uh, is that beneficial or is that just preferential? No, there's not always uh, a difference between those things, but sometimes there is. Uh, older generations also I've seen learn how to correct and love and uh, have a reputation for doing so, but it can go wrong. It can ha- be bad. And so we want to challenge our older generations too to uh, provide welcoming, warm environments to the younger generation. Not be dismayed when you hear the sound of children in a worship service because you really want to fast forward 18 years and see, goodness, you're praying for that same kid to find a worship service when you have been dismissing that kid for 18 years because they're making too much noise during your sermons. And right. so we do need to have perspective, eternal perspective, uh, in this intergenerational uh, aspect in a multigenerational church. And with that, it's a two-way two street. The older generation benefits Uh, by the younger church members and their bounty of energy. The younger church members may not always be bringing the same wisdom uh, that comes from that same life experience. But they bring the muscle. But they bring the muscle. They bring the passion. They bring the energy. Uh, I think at times young adults have a bad rap for uh, putting off adult responsibilities, but I am so encouraged to see a lot of the young people in our church excited about the work that God is doing in their lives, and they're sharing that with people of different generations. Uh, One specific uh, example I have, uh, comes from a couple that was visiting. Uh, this, this is nothing personal. This is just something I, I recommended them to think about, recommended to them to think about uh, when it came to what church they were going to be a part of. And this was incredible. They they were at our church. They already were kind of weirded out because we have bulletins. And now I don't know if anyone still has bulletins out there, uh, but we have bulletins. We have these um, big suckers with the words on them so everyone can read them and they're not always looking at the you know screens. So it's relatively old school. Churches are going to be different. There's no problem with that. But we have bulletins, and at the back of the bulletins, we'll oftentimes have a anniversary that's being celebrated or um, 
we'll have flower dedications. We have flowers in the sanctuary, the worship service. Well, it's not flower dedications. There's flower in rem- flowers in remembrance. Yeah, we're not dedicating the, the flowers. Yeah, the, de- the flowers don't have souls. <laughs> Just so you're aware. Uh, but the flowers are dedicated. I know you got a, a master special. of divinity, but we just need to make sure you know I that flowers, in flower don't souls, have souls and spirit animals. Uh, continue listening if you'd like. Um, but we have <laughs> we have flowers in the worship service that are dedicated to certain things, and they thought it was just the word flowers, and they just kind of saw that dedication there, and they were just kind of like, "This is too old school Baptist. This is too. This reminds me of our first church. We just don't like it." And I said, can I just offer you some, just some advice here? Just, just maybe point you in the same direction that, that I was once in and, and now I'm glad to be in. Um, why are those flowers there? And they're like, oh, well, they're, they're celebrating something. I was like, no, not just something. They're celebrating 50 years of marriage. Go talk to them. We have, <laughs> go talk to them. Find them. Ask anyone, who put those flowers out there? I want to talk to them. How do you stay married for 50 years and still love Jesus and want to come to church together? I mean, there's no surprise the enemy attacks marriages. God uses Jesus Christ and the church in a bridal imagery. I mean, he uses bridal imagery to describe that relationship. The bride of Christ and Christ being the bridegroom. Satan's going to attack marriages. It's a testament against what Jesus is going to do with the church. I mean, the worst marriages get within the church. Right, exactly. So why would you not look at couples who have these high success rates and not worldly success, but godly success? Uh, that's that's all in these multi-generational churches. Right. And the flip side uh, is something I would say to the parents, I think. And that's the fact that God has put you as the spiritual disciplers of your of your kids. Um, so that means that, honestly, it's not the kid's responsibility to pick what church or what Sunday school they go to. And I know this might be a little bit controversial for some, uh, but like if we look at the biblical mandate, it is for the the father if he's in the home or the spiritual leader that mm-hmm. God has put in that home to be the deciding factor it's like your kid might want to eat ice cream every day for dinner but yeah. you know better than to give them ice cream every day for dinner right um and so you have to disciple your kid and that also includes when in the church where are we going to go to church how are we going to do family church you know and that kind of stuff those have to be decisions that the parents make it can't be something that is driven by the kid right yeah and so again there's just more and more evidence that generations need each other within the body of believers and we've seen that uh even represented within our culture uh 40 of the students said uh, from a recent survey from barna research uh, said that guidance from a more mature christian in their life whether that was a mentor pastor chaplain campus minister has been one of the most helpful components of cultivating Christian faith while in college. More than one in four said the same about church participation. So most students also desire discipleship resources that can be provided by older believers. Areas where students felt they need the most research includes marriage, dating, evangelism, uh, how to live as a Christian within their vocation, all things that can be passed on from generational wisdom, people who've been there before them. And so we would really, really encourage everyone out there. Yes, there are going to be great reasons to join a church. There are going to be great biblical reasons to join a church, but don't move away from a church just because you're one of the only young couples there or you're one of the old couples there. You need to be there for the glory of God. Yeah. And you have work to do as we all do. Thank you guys so much for listening to the We Bear Witness podcast. Remember, we are available on all platforms. Uh, We appreciate you so much. We hope you have a wonderful week. God bless.